0: Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve.
1: Hello, my name is uh, Bill uh, from Nashville, uh, Tennessee, and I will be your facilitator for this session. And I'm also joined by...
2: I'm busy saying hello to
3: our Netherlands
2: member. You want to introduce?
3: Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Harvey Asher, a sexaholic. I've been sexually sober for 33 years and eight months, and actually stayed in that young man's home in Amsterdam. What a small world is.
1: <laughs> Hi. Hi. Uh, uh, please take a moment and uh, silence your electronic devices. Uh, if you need to take a call during the meeting, please step outside uh, to do that. We ask that you not make any personal recording of this or any meeting. Uh, please join me in a moment of silence. Wait, David's here. Ah. Our third panel member has arrived the man.
4: There he is. you want to introduce yourself? David Maynard, Sexaholic. Survivor date August 2nd, 1988. What else do I need to say? Portland,
3: Oregon. Originally Nashville, Tennessee.
4: That's right. Now, uh, I'm the junior member. I'm gonna steal it back. (laughs) So last night I listened to Harvey's talk thought it was the least I could do. Mostly to be sure that the things I've been passing on to people have been pretty close to what he actually says, and I did really well.
3: <laughs> and what Terry said to me, right?
1: Yeah, I'm the, I'm the junior member of this panel. Don't
3: expect this to be typical, okay? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to relax. We're going to have fun. It's about
4: fun. <laughs> <laughs> the, these both these
1: uh, men were at uh, my first uh, SA meeting uh, 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 on September fourth, nineteen ninety-three. Uh, let's go ahead and move forward. Please join me with a moment of silence, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Okay, Uh, in the spirit of carrying the essay message, this meeting will be recorded. If you are not sure your share will be appropriate or on topic, please participate by listening. The recording equipment will not be turned off for any reason. If you wish to share, please speak directly into the microphone, and we'll ask you to come up and uh, to this chair. We'll get the microphone for you, uh, and uh, uh, we will not uh, be turning off the recording equipment for any reason. If you wish not to be recorded, we invite you to participate by listening or attending another session. Please do not touch any of the recording equipment unless your name is Lee Y. Okay. Uh, we're going to uh, take turns sharing experience, strength, and hope on this topic of sponsorship. And uh, and then there will be time for questions and answers. Uh, so uh, I'm going to uh, kind of play play monitor but I'm powerless over these guys so uh I'm going to uh suggest
4: and his life becomes unmanageable
1: That's right so so what what I would like to suggest is that uh uh we we take about 10 minutes uh to start and then we can uh go back around so uh Harvey would you like to lead us off <laughs>
3: that always happens (laughs) everyone knows I have a big mouth yeah Uh, I'm the contrarian Uh, that's who I am Uh, I'm a rebel so I like to put holes in all tradition that's what I'm made And so I want to put some holes into sponsorship, okay? There were two of us in 1984 in Nashville. Someone new came in. I did not know I wasn't supposed to sponsor them. I only had a few weeks sobriety. Ignorance is bliss. You get all these rules and regulations that don't exist. This is not a religion. This is not an organization. This is a fellowship, a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope. So how does Roy talk about it? He says you need to be one step ahead of your sponsee. Okay? One step ahead. You want to stay sober, get yourself a sponsee. (laughs) Nothing helps a like getting a sponsee other than finding sponsees, which means you have to hit the pavement and break your anonymity, and go into the community, and get some sex drugs so you could sponsor. I sponsor about 20 people. It's hard for me to sponsor 22, (laughs) but I range from 18 to 22. This what happens is after many years of sponsoring people, they don't need your sponsorship so much and you get more free time to sponsor other people. At least that's been my experience. I was brought up with a very strict sponsorship from My AA sponsor, hardly anyone did it, except I did it. He wanted me to call him every day. I called him every day until he died. And as he was dying, I was going to the hospital to talk with him. By the way, one day, as he was in the hospital... And I'm by his bedside, and I started to cry. And he said, cut that out. You're just feeling sorry for yourself. You got me confused with your father. That's the type of sponsorship I'm used to. My other sponsor, Jess, for years he sponsored me until he fired me. (laughs) But that's another story. Um, No, why should it be another story? (laughs) I made a terrible mistake. I went into the side business and Jess asked me, would I take his son in? And I made a terrible mistake. I said, yes. I got boundaries confused. And then, Jess said, I want to come in. And then it got even more complicated. You know, you're just looking. I can't talk for these guys, but you're just looking at some sick drunk who gets progressive victory over lust, which means a bit more manageability each day. But how is it done, and how is sponsorship done? Through the crucible of our experience. Those were some of the divine messages that were led through Roy, that he received through the crucible of our experience. Don't worry about doing it right or wrong. Just don't have sex with your sponsees. It's that simple. (laughs) Anything else is going to be trial and error. I'm sponsoring someone now from another country. It's taken me 33 years <laughs> to have enough growth to sponsor but boy am I learning a lot about myself and about dealing with other people, but I'm walking through this. Usually I fire sponsors. Why? This, I'm here to love my sponsees. And once I start getting angry, it's not good for me or them. And I need to move through it the best I could. Now I have new tools to move through. Over the years, I didn't have as many tools. And I had to learn... The reason over and over again I sponsor people, it's not to get them well, it's to keep me sober. Be careful if you're not doing it to keep yourself sober. They have another name for sponsorship, it's called codependency. We are not life managers. I am not here to manage someone's life. I am merely here to help them relate it to the steps. But my ego gets in the way, and I think I could make their lives better. And God has this great sense of humor to remind me I'm not God. There is no way to make another addict do what you want them to do. It's an illusion and delusion. (coughs) Plus, addicts are always lying, so they're hardly ever telling you the truth anyway. And for any sponsor in this room who thinks their sponsees are telling them the whole thing, Man, are you naive. (laughs) So I just assume whatever they're saying, I multiply by three or four. And then I don't get surprised. Now let me tell you why. If they'll lie to their wives, who the hell are we that they won't lie to us? Who do we think we are? It's our ego to make us think we're special and better than their own lives. And what happens where addicts, that part of our brain, is affected? We don't even know we're lying. So a lot of times the spot C isn't lying to me. They're lying to themselves and just sharing with me their delusional system of what's really going on. And it's taken me years to accept it. I have some sponsees I cannot get off the phone every day, 30 to 40 minutes. But I have a sponsee who has been calling me For eight years, he lives in my town, tall Texan, doesn't say a lot, wears his boots. I sometimes review it on my phone. He calls every day, Monday through Friday. About a minute. We speak about a minute. On a rough day, it's three minutes. He has nothing to say to me. I have very little to say to him. He stays sober, keeps moving with his program, more sobriety, probably has about seven, eight years now. But let something happen that day that he's the least bit uncomfortable, he will call me three times. So his daily call Are like fire drills for him. It lets him utilize this instrument. Time up. Very effectively. I've learned the longer I spend on the phone with the sponsee, the less they're getting from me. My wife had to bring that out to me. If you're spending too much time on the phone, they're not hearing you. Now, I make an exception for this one sponsee. He has a tendency from, in his own country, to maybe call 10, 12 people a day. And other issues are in there. And my deal with him is he can only call me once a day. And if he calls me more than once a day, I fire him. That's been our deal. It's been working very effectively. But I have to also surrender that he needs more than maybe some other people need. Okay. I want to stop there. There's a whole lot to talk about sponsorship. Uh The three of us have had a lot of experience, strength, and hope. And if I had to guess, we don't do things very similarly. If I had to go further, we don't even do things the other one does. And yet, we're all having the best result worth staying sober one more day.
4: Thanks. I'm taller so I don't need to stand up. Okay.
2: <laughs> uh
4: what I meant what I said when I introduced myself, but last night I was listening to Harvey's talk and and my primary purpose and I listen with my eyes closed and and I am very attentive as a consequence and and um and most of the things I pass on to sponsees I um, from Harvey I I've had them pretty accurate, and it was very reassuring last night. I was so grateful for that. Um, and quite a few of the things that Harvey said in his talk, I had—I was sitting at a table with people who were relatively new to our fellowship, and, and, and quite a few of the things Harvey said I had said previously during dinner, in one context or another. So when he got to that point, I didn't know he was getting to it, but when he did get to it, I'd turn and say, yeah, that's it, that's it, you know. And, uh, and I think everyone there at least knew what I was referring to at that moment. And, <clears throat> I don't know what benefit it had for the people at the table. Uh, I can speak, though, for what benefit it had for me, which is what Harvey just said. Um, that I get to pass on what was handed to me, and, and the payoff for that is I get another day of sobriety, uh, for which I can never be sufficiently grateful. Um, the, um, I was thinking when Harvey said, if you want to, stay sober, sponsor some people, and I frequently, a guy will have 30 days sobriety and I'll say, so who are you sponsoring? And they're usually appalled, um, and my sponsor will not let me sponsor anybody right now. I mean, if if I'm their sponsor, that's not, that's not an issue, but, um, and when Harvey was talking about just a minute ago, the image that immediately came up in my mind, which <coughs> is if um, you have a, a wild dog chasing you. Nipping at your heels, you're gonna keep moving. <laughs> you're gonna do the next right thing to get away, keep moving forward. And that's exactly what sponsor sponsee relationship often will be. You know, this guy is really adamant about getting sober and working the steps, and, and if you're <laughs> if you it'll keep me keeps me moving anyway. I have no idea, I said this yesterday, I have no idea how many people I sponsor. Um it probably is in the thirties. Um because Harvey told me, if anybody asks you to sponsor them, just say yes, because the vast majority will never call you anyway. And, um, and so I've never changed that rule. And, um, and, nor has he been wrong. Um, and I, there are a couple of people that I think they call me their sponsor, and I have, they have not called me in over ten years. I don't care. They're still coming to meetings. They seem to be doing a good job. So whatever they're doing is working for them. Um and I have probably eight to ten, thank you. Bill's being so considerate here, I appreciate it. I've got eight to ten people who call me daily, uh or close to daily. Um, one of the earliest things Harvey said to me is my sponsor, uh and my first sponsor was Steve B. Uh I got through step five with Steve. I'm very grateful to him. He promptly left the fellowship uh after my fifth step. It had nothing to do with that. He'd been drifting beforehand. And um and then I went to Harvey, but before that, long before that, Harvey uh, had influenced so many things, like uh, the one that is, is in my head constantly is, David, the only thing you have to know about your higher power is it's not you. Everything else is up for grabs. And and I use that on a daily, three, many times a day basis. Another thing Harvey said to me when we started the sponsorship relationship is that, David, after we've talked on the phone a number of times, I will no longer listen to what you're saying. What I will listen to is how you're saying it, and that'll tell me everything I need to know. And I've (coughs) I've accepted that. There's no reason not to. Uh, It turned out to be very accurate. More importantly, it turns out to be exactly what I do. Um, It has the side effect of keeping conversations shorter because the content of what someone's saying is pretty irrelevant overall, and uh, I'm not saying the person saying it doesn't feel that. It was also Harvey who taught me, David, it may be really important for them to say it. It's not necessarily important for you to hear it. You can always hold the phone out here and periodically check back in and see if there's something you need to know. And uh, I don't do that very often. Knowing I have the freedom to do that has been extremely important. Anyway, um, I my sponsorship is... um, I think people feel incorrectly, I might add, that I'm a fairly easy sponsor. Um, working the steps, going to meetings, trusting God is the program, as far as I'm concerned. And we all come in as equals. Uh, Harvey started the first part of the SA purpose, or the AA purpose too. Uh, SA is a fellowship of men and women who carry their experience, strength, and hope, share their experience, strength, and hope with each other. That they may solve their common problem and help others to recover, and that's the basis of sponsorship. That we come in as equals. That's anonymity there in practice. That common problem, and help others to recover. Um, and how and when that happens is not up to me. There are some practical things. There's a story. I don't know if Hardy knows this. Um, he had just been. Uh, he and Jess had just separated and in terms of their sponsorship relationship, there was a lot of tension. They happened to both be in Portland, Oregon at the same time for a meeting. And and I was in a very awkward position because uh, I had also just moved my sponsorship relationship from Harvey to Jess. At Harvey's suggestion, I had had cancer surgery and needed to be able to make daily calls. And Harvey's life was precluding that at that point. So I'd been calling Jess. and. Jess had come and spoken to a group um, before the, this meeting they were both coming to began, and and um, and then Harvey and Nancy came to town, and Jane and I really loved them and spent time with them. So we were escorting Harvey and Nancy around a, a cultural site in, in uh, Rose Garden, actually, in uh, Portland, and we were having a good time. We had a great time. And I looked over my shoulder and back, and about... 400 yards away was Jess with another guy, a guy, a sponsor, uh, and he was escorting Jess around the same place. And at the time, the tension level was so high, I just said, oh my God, let's don't let them see each other. <laughs> and they didn't. Um, they never knew each other were there. And, um, and I know they had interactions at the meeting and eventually cleaned up all of that. But it was just a reminder that... Um, that we bring all of our craziness from our private lives into this fellowship, and so what? It's just a part of who we are. And and this idea that, we can, that I can save anybody, that I'm in charge of anybody else, as Harvey said a minute ago, um, that's just my self-centeredness. And and what I can do is be really clear that my goal is to keep David sober another day uh, because that's what's worked for me and it's what was handed to me. And as long as I keep doing that, um, I'll probably be fine, and along the way it might be useful to somebody else. And I, I'll just share two more quick things, and then sh- uh, pass it back to Bill. Uh, one is uh, last night I'd been I brought a I was sick before I came to this conference, and I've been not shaking hands, and I'm much much better. than I was, and uh, it's I've been really sort of pushing myself to put it mildly, and. Uh, So last night I'd gone up to go to bed, and then I thought, well, I'll come back down to the lobby just to let my uh, computer catch up on emails and then go back up. And (laughs) there was a guy there I'd really been hoping to have some time with. We've always had good conversations. He's in the process of moving to Portland, and he was right there when I walked in. And and we sat and had a great 20, 25 minutes. That was, it was just wonderful. It was good. I think it was good for him. It was good for me. And uh, and then he had just left. Another guy came along. And by now it was about 10.30, no, 10 o'clock. And so, and we ended up, and he had some questions about, fearing that he was going to relapse again. And he had relapsed before, just before he did his fourth step. And I was supposed to be up in bed. And I was not happy about this at all. And, <laughs> and I went into my fourth and fifth step mode and, and just hammered me. It. <laughs> yeah, it was okay, but I was very specific. I said, you're going to get the whole lecture. Here it is. And then wham. And um, so I did that, and he seemed very attentive, and, and then he left. And I came up to the room and went to bed. So just before I walked in the door to this meeting, he was in the hallway and he caught me. He said After I left you last night, you told me I could do my fourth step and fifth step my fourth step in two hours. He said so I did. And then I did my fifth step this morning. (coughs) And he just had this glow. S. Jess used to talk about the SA shine. And this guy (coughs) just as I walked in to come up here. Had this essay. He's. I don't think he's in the room. Um, had this essay shine just, just emanating from him. He said, "I did my fifth step <coughs> in the morning, just the way you said to do it." And, uh, and I had no intention. In fact, I had the exact opposite intention of a sponsorship thing last night. You know, or passing anything on, and yet, apparently, <coughs> God thought I was supposed to do it, so I did, and. Um, and the payoff for when we... Oh, it, it won't make any difference, but thank you. Um, I'm a burbler. I burble a lot. Um, the payoff of when we just do what God puts in front of us is literally beyond our imaginations. And and that's what I tell people is not only my personal benefit, but it's the reward of this program over and over again. that That when we let this program create us and be created in the way that our higher power imagines us rather than my very stilted, warped, damaged imagination works, Um, it's always incredible. And with that, I'll pass.
1: uh my uh, my approach to sponsorship is uh, based on how i started off with uh with with my sponsor <coughs> excuse me uh whose name is Rick uh that i did not want him to be my sponsor um, but I needed somebody to show me how to work the steps. And I'd heard him talking about working the steps with his sponsor, and uh so I, I didn't ask him to be my sponsor. I asked him to show me how to work the steps. And uh, and and as as a result of that, when I, once we agreed that he would help me work the steps, then then I started talking to him about um, uh, being my my temporary sponsor and the 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 idea was that I'd get this guy to show me how to work the steps, and then I'd find somebody else uh to be my sponsor uh, uh, because uh i'd heard him i'd heard him talk about working the steps and making amends to the i r s and things like this and i i I just thought that was too radical um uh that was back in nineteen ninety four and he's he's still my temporary sponsor today. So I'm uh, it's worked out. Um, so when I when somebody uh asks me about sponsorship, uh I have a I have a, a basic uh formula and I agree with Harvey. Uh half the people who ask uh don't even call back, and then the ones who uh, do—only uh, a small percentage of them are actually going to going to do the work. Uh, uh, an, an AA old timer was speaking on sponsorship at a conference like this, and somebody said, "So Howard, how many men do you sponsor?" And he thought a minute and said, "About half of them." <laughs>
3: <laughs> so uh,
1: the way I know that Rick is my sponsor is that when Rick offers me a suggestion on, on recovery, I follow it. It's just that simple. Um, because if, if Rick offers a suggestion I don't follow it, then Rick's not sponsoring me. I'm sponsoring myself. The last time I was doing that for any period of time, I ended up in a psychiatric hospital. I just don't want any more of self-sponsorship. It's just not not good for me. I have people, uh, who, in essay, if they are interested, first thing I want to make sure is that, that they believe they're a sexaholic. And I just ask them to open the white book, the first page inside says sexaholic's anonymous, and then you turn the page, there's the problem. And then the chapter to the newcomer and the 20 questions, and, and then after they've read that, which, uh, you know, that could be 15 minutes, Um uh, so, uh, uh, as soon as they've read it, though, we'll discuss it. And the question I want is, do you identify, does this describe your relationship with lust? Uh, then I, then, it, if they agree that it does, they'll say, no, that's not me. I'll say, well, maybe, because there are other S fellowships, maybe you belong in one of the other S fellowships. Because I know from the description of the sexaholic in the White Book, I'm a sexaholic. Now that doesn't have a diagnostic, uh, meaning to a therapist. It, you know, I don't care. It, it is a description of my relationship with lust and how it plays out in my life. If, if the, if the new person says, yep, I'm a sexaholic, then I want them to look at the chapter on the sobriety definition. Um. uh, because it, it says, numerous times through the book that we can only speak for ourselves. We don't speak for anyone else. This is the solution that the members of Sexholics Anonymous have that works for us. And if you don't have our problem, you probably don't need our solution. Um, If you do have our problem, here's the solution that's worked for us and uh and again, with me that's that 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 we're we're not negotiating this. This is group conscience, uh, fellowship group conscience, and um if i don't if if i don't if I'm not willing to support the group conscience, I need to find another group and uh SA has worked very well for me for the last uh 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 twenty four and a half years i'm i have I'm not looking for another group. Uh, if they want the sobriety to, uh, want sobriety as we define sobriety, then I'm going to help them with the recovery process. And the first thing that I encourage them to do is read through the, uh, chapter overcoming lust and temptation. Some of you guys know it as the 18 wheeler. Underline or highlight every prayer you find. And then we get together and go through it. And we go, don't just look at the prayers. We go through each Individual paragraph line, uh, not well, maybe not line by line, but we we make I make sure that that we have a discussion of each one of those uh, those eighteen points that I find so valuable today. Um, and and uh, then I, I give them a, a a homework assignment of writing down all the prayers we've identified. On a three by five index card, laminate it with plastic and, uh, and carry it with you everywhere that you go. If you have your wallet, driver's license, car keys, then you need to have that card with you. Uh, one of the men I was, I'm sponsoring who's fairly new in, in recovery within another session and I just asked him, I said, uh, you got your card, and he said, "Yeah." I said, "Hold it up so people can see it." He had his, and the reason you'll see real quick why it's laminated because if you carry it in your pocket all the time and it's not laminated, it ain't with you long. It'll fall apart. And the reason for that is I discovered early on uh, they told me I needed to pray, and I, I believed them. I'm talking about they told me I needed to pray uh, when I was uh, being assaulted by lust, and I believed them, and, and but I kept forgetting the prayers. And somebody else mentioned about writing them down on the index card. I thought that's a good idea. So um, then we get busy working the steps, and and I use the uh big book as as the uh, and and step into action. Which really there's not not any daylight between step into action and and the big book. Um, uh, in terms of, of of what I ask him to do, and we go through the steps together. And this gets around to what uh, both Dave and Harvey have, have suggested. Um, I think that the reason that working with others uh, is so beneficial to my recovery is that uh, my sponsees don't go through the steps; we go through the steps. And that means that when, when they're going through the steps and we're, we're talking about step one, I'm reviewing my own step one. I'm, 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 because today if I forget that I'm, uh, that I'm no more qualified to manage my own life today than I was 20 years ago, I'm going to start playing God and that doesn't work. Doesn't work for me. And each time that we do a, uh, go through a step, I get to revisit where I am with that particular step and uh and it, it helps keep it fresh for me um i i uh I have some men that I've worked with for a number of years who uh, when we when 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 we talk it's very it's much more likely to be about um how to deal with uh, an issue that they may be having with one of their sponsees rather than their crisis du jour. For the new guys, and I've got a guy who's uh, just finished step one, he's getting into step two, uh, he, he, require, he requires a little more time and attention so that I can show him this is what you do next because he's in that, uh, he's in that, that business of, of, uh, of, of writing stuff out right now. He, he's following directions, but I gotta be willing to take the time to show him what to do. And I don't, I don't begrudge any of that time. Uh, it's, uh, I'm semi-retired, so I can, I can, I can have around 20 sponsors as well. If somebody is, 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 uh, younger, has a house full of kids, a full-time job, uh, trying to put a uh, 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 um, you know a marriage back together that's been uh, uh, harmed by our disease, uh, that person may not be able to, to doesn't have the time to sponsor that many people. But even if you only have one sponsee, that's gonna that's gonna uh, help your that's gonna help your recovery because because. At some point that one sponsee is going to start being ready to sponsor other people. And then, then, and you're going to realize that now instead of calling you three times a day, he's calling you every two or three days. And you'll get bored and you'll say, I got to find a new sponsee. And that's how it grew for me in the early days. Uh, but, but, uh, I do have to say that, that, that working one-on-one with another sexaholic is my favorite form of uh, of sponsorship. So uh, at this point, if anybody, I'll, I'll just offer that if anybody has any questions or comments, if you want to make your way up and have a seat, uh, oh, okay, make your way up to the microphone, uh, we'll be happy to entertain that. And while folks are coming up, I'm going to ask if Dave or Harvey has any other comments that yes. you'd like to make.
3: Uh, I'd like to change the subject, but still the same subject, uh, if that's possible. Um, this is a different country and a different language. Twelve-Step Fellowship is a different country and a different language. I eventually have to be able to think in the new language. Not to translate it in my head into my language, but to think in that language. And that's the language of the 12 steps. So people say to me, Don't you get bored at meetings sometimes? Or you have more sobriety? How can you sit at these meetings? Well, I'm not hearing it necessarily in the language they're hearing it. I'm hearing every single thing everyone's saying, and I'm translating it automatically into what step are we talking about? It's automatic. I don't have to try it. What am I, what step are we talking about? Then when it's my time to share, I'm bringing in what I have heard in my brain and how it applies in my life. Okay. So each of us probably had some different approaches to doing our steps. By the way, I now have the same sponsor that, you know, Bill has in AA. My AA sponsor is Rick. Uh, Rick and I don't do steps, and yet everything we do is steps. <laughs> Rick has this Another language, everything that he hears, he automatically hears is that fear or love. And he's teaching me to think in that language, which is still all part of the 12 steps. Is what I just did or thought motivated by fear or love? So my relationship to sponsees are based on that too. Now my sponsor, my sponsors were not big book oriented. They were oral tradition oriented. So I learned more about the steps, not the word-to-word. Thank goodness, Bess, I'm dyslexic, and it wouldn't have worked quite as well for me. I learned it orally through stories, like the sixth and seventh step I talked about yesterday about the cancer in this arm and that arm. Yes. The gift Bill has, and let me tell you who has a gift, he could tell you the page, the paragraph in the big book where these things are. I can't, but I know it. It's not that I don't know it, but I can't tell you where it is in the book. I'll have to sometimes go into Google and say, I know it's there now. Help me. So I could tell someone else where to find it. It's very important for me to know what I'm, who I am and what I am. What are the gifts God gave me? And to utilize those gifts and not to compare my insides with anyone's outside. My sponsor taught me, you only compare yourself with you. Where were you last month? Where were you ten years ago, last year? Where am I? I'm always learning something new from the book, from the big book. Bill and I, uh, well, break anonymity, but we go to a wonderful big book study on Sunday mornings. Don't go over stuff. I don't even pretend to go over it in book while they're doing it. My brain doesn't work that way. That week, I'm studying what we read, and I get all kinds of new insights. Because orally, audibly, I have a room of 70 people commenting on that, which then lights my brain up, and I'm able to shoot from there into all kinds of universes. And this is a theme from yesterday, last night. This program is big enough, as long as we're using the same text. It's big enough for all of us. And, and I do things that my AA sponsor says I can't do. Because <laughs> he doesn't. He's not an SA. I also have an SA sponsor. He cannot imagine sponsoring long distance. He meets with me once a week, face to face. And I do that. It used to be uncomfortable. Now I look forward to it. I'm used to doing telephone stuff. Even when David lived in Nashville, we were doing it by phone. Uh, we meet twice a year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, at conferences. But we knew each other, we, and we were doing it by phone. So I have a sponsee in, in uh, London. I have a sponsee in Warsaw. I have a sponsee in Amsterdam. I have a sponsee in, uh, near Munich. I have... A, in Ireland. It's nothing of it. Now, what happened? I tried convincing my AA sponsor that he's wrong. It could be done. And I started getting tight and uncomfortable. This, I wasn't working the steps. Now, if I asked and I do exactly what Bill says if I asked him can I do a sponsor overseas and he said no I would not do it I don't ask him (laughs) he's not my AA sponsor I mean my SA sponsor and I'm going to end with this piece Cherry who I quote from all the time He's been dead now probably 28 years, 25, 20. He died, I think, in eight, uh, 89, 1989. Uh, he, I've incorporated him. There is no separation. I have taken him in. Cellularly. He would tell me, You will always learn from a sponsor. You will learn what he has you want, and you will learn what he has you don't want. I wanted his spiritual life. I wanted his total dedication to the program. He would sit there with his phone answering the phone. In his retirement, I did not want his family life. It was a messed up family life. I did not want it. He was old time school. He was not for going to treatment programs or codependency things. When I was sober about three years, I went to a five-day codependency program. I did not ask his permission because I didn't want what he had. If I had asked him and he said, no, I wouldn't have gone. I am totally surrendered to what my sponsor tells me, which comes up with this issue many of you shock opinions I'm going to give you an opinion it's only an opinion you screw up when you do that it's your way the addiction's way of avoiding surrendering you call someone up and you ask them And then you do it, or you don't ask them. (laughs) And I could cannot always get a hold of, uh, back years ago, my essay sponsor. And it happened once. Art, I sponsor Art. An issue came up about a sponsee. He was in the middle of his fourth step, a fifth step with me. And it was getting too stimulating for me. And I called on it because I, I didn't know what to do and my sponsor wasn't reachable. And he said, fire him, have him go to another. It was in the middle of his fifth step. I knew how much that could have hurt him. But I asked, and I didn't. God didn't talk to me for about a year or so, and it took years But we have a great relationship now. And he's sober and beautiful program. Beautiful program. His program and future was not about me. My future was about me. It wasn't good for me to deal with some of those things. Yet in my recovery state. But I surrendered. That's
4: it. We're going to take a break
1: uh, uh, somewhere between now and 11. Somewhere between now and 11. We'll see when a good break point is.
5: I'm uh, Preston Davis uh, from Nashville, and I'm a sectolic. I have a, a question about so, for me, my sponsor, and I think it came from you bill is he told me to work the steps quickly and work them often and uh so, when I came back in this this last year, we got through step nine really quickly, and I'm in the middle of step nine, ten and eleven right now, and doing my men's and working ten and eleven regularly um I have several sponsees now that um they get to one, two, and three, and then they stop at four. And it, no, I saw so much benefit for me when I got through step four. Cause I did step four for, well, I've been in the program since 2001. I got stuck at step four in 2005 and fell out of the program, and never got past it. So now when I got past that, now I see all the benefits. I'm excited about, I've done a few night steps amends and, and I mean, I'm just seeing huge progress in, in my recovery at this point and I want that for my sponsees, how do you help get those guys unstuck from those kind of steps
1: one of the things that i i do is uh when we when we get to step 4 and get ready to take action we uh, we read down to to uh the first few paragraphs uh of of the uh, on step 4 about what it is A fact finding, fact facing, so forth. Then I flip over to page 75 and read the step five promises with them and ask them, do you want any of these? Uh, and, uh, and of course they do. I said, well, there's only one, one way to get from where you are to these promises. And that's through step four and five. And, uh, if you want it, you gotta do the work. And if you're not willing to do the work, you're not gonna get it. And uh I can't make anyone else willing to do the work. I can show them the benefits of doing the work, but I can't give them the willingness.
4: One thing that's uh, changed for me over um, four and five in recent years, and it's actually what I was sharing last night with this individual I mentioned, um, is that um, I... And basically it's the same thing Bill just said with a slightly different approach to it. I just tell people the, well first of all I tell them what didn't work for me. I used a workbook from another uh, printer, another, it wasn't a fellowship, it was it doesn't matter. And I did my fourth step in that and it just took, I took forever. And then just to be thorough, I also did a fourth step using the page 65 format in the big book. And then I did my fifth step with my sponsor and it and it was kind of funny actually the way it turned out and then it works. It was great. Um I also realized that all the time I had spent on the in the workbook was it didn't make any difference <laughs> the, the real work that I did, the heavy lifting was done in that three column format. Um so I continue to focus on that with people I sponsored and then the other thing is, I just say this repeatedly last night, I mean, just broken record. The only reason to do a four-step, the only reason to do a four-step, the only reason to do a four-step is to do a fifth step. Period. If we're not gonna do a fifth step, don't waste any time doing a fourth step. And, and I just, and it's basically what Bill just said about page 75. And 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 then I use, from Joe and Charlie, the AA speakers, and it turns out, I just listened to Clancy's 12-step series just in early December, and it turns out it's the same thing for him. Um, There is a way to do the fourth step, and this is what I was dumping on this guy last night, that is very fast. It's thorough, that's not the issue. It's fast because it's so focused, the technique is solely focused on doing the fifth step. So anyway, um that's, and I, it's easy to sh- share that, but I'm not going to do it now. Um, and, and that has really helped a lot because, as the opening of chapter, you uh, know, step six says, um in the 12 and 12, uh, this is the step that separates, it's sexist, I know, the men from the boys. And, and um it's worth getting to that. It's worth getting through it and all, for all the reasons that have been shared, so.
3: There are some people whose fear just paralyzes them, and they can't do it. I do it with them. I will sit with them, and do the beginning especially, and just sit with them. If that doesn't get them, you're seeing A special guy, Dave, I don't see as much. This guy has the patience of Job. He will wait these guys out. They could relapse and do. He has a gift of a personality that I don't have. So I let go of these people. I do the best I can. I go to any lengths and at some point, I face it's not good for me. I'm trying to control them. And my personality is not that way. So I don't sit around and say, gee, I'm inadequate because I can't do it the way Bill does it. I say, wow, what a gift. And many of these people I tell call Bill. I should tell them, look, I, I, this is my personality. I wish I had the power to change it. But that's a sixth and seventh step. What do we learn in the fourth and fifth step? That we can't make any of this go away. We can't. We are without power. The sixth and seventh, we admit, take it, God. I, My prayer, God, I can't stand this shit one more minute. Take it. I can't change it. Take it. And how the hell does he take it? My own philosophy. Does he come down with a big basket and scoop it up? He has me do the eighth and ninth step. When I make enough amends <laughs> over the same crap, that same tone of voice I use with my wife that doesn't say an ugly thing but says it like she's a piece of dirt and I have to make enough amends over and over somehow it starts going away so again we're not a cookie cutter we got different ways the last thing I want to say is uh, I had a Very different approach, uh, upbringing on steps. My sponsors expected me to have done them and to ask them for help. They did not do them with me. Cherry's response over and over when I'd call him with a problem, he'd say, it's in the book, go find it totally different approach but you know what I've done my steps <laughs> but Cherry also would say they put the tenth step in because we're too sick when we do the fourth step and if we remembered all the crap about ourselves in our fourth step we'd probably go hang ourselves so he says Do it quickly, get it over with, because you'll catch it back up in the 10th step, but keep moving along. And someone at an AA meeting once said this, they were so tired of me trying to find the different booklets and the different things. I could not understand that charge. I couldn't get it. Some high school kid, and explain it to me. It was so simple I couldn't get it. <laughs> but I got the concept from a guy in the program in AA, and he said the fourth step has a period at the end of it. Get it done with it
2: and move on. Okay. I'm Dale, a sexaholic from La Harbor, California. Dale. <clears throat> One of the things I say when I, I introduce myself to a guy, I say, you know, I don't know I, you know, I really don't know squat. The only thing I know is what's been passed on to me. My opinions will kill you. <laughs> My experience may save your, your ass. <laughs> if I don't have experience, look we will together go find someone who does. I've seen the, you know, my early on in, in recovery, I shared a lot of stuff and I saw the damage that it did. And I spent probably 10 years trying to make amends for the for those, for doing that. <clears throat> you know, uh My sponsor, one of my sponsors taught me that uh, if I ever mentioned his name in the same room that the two of us were in, he says that we'd never be in that room again together. He said, I don't need my ego fit. And I do the same thing with my sponsees. I said, uh, anybody who needs to know will know because of the the way we do things. And uh, if they're in my home group, if, you're in my, if, if they're in our home group or in, in our circle, places where we go to meetings, don't know what's going on. Outside of that, don't need the fanfare. One of the things that the dangers that I ran into and lost my sobriety over years ago is I'd start a meeting and I'd look out there and I'd count all the people out there. And yeah, you wouldn't be here if I wasn't here. You know, that kind of crap. You know, and, it, and that's just dangerous. So I, I just share a pitfall that sponsors can have. Um, I was raised with face-to-face time. I do sponsor people in foreign countries um, and in other states. But to pr- a face-to-face time is priceless at the getting started and uh, getting through the Anyway, for me, I appreciate you guys uh, showing up and, and spending your time. Thanks for sharing. Thank you.
1: My name is Serge. I'm a great for recovering sexaholic. Uh, thank you guys for sharing your experience. I uh, really appreciate uh, everything you've shared. Uh, so I have a question. You kind of touched on it a little bit. Uh, you talked about firing your sponsees. So if, uh, if you don't mind sharing a little bit of your experience, like what are some of the things that you consider when you do that? Um, I know you all have different styles, so I'm just curious, what, what are some of the things that you say, I think it's time to move on, I think it's time for you to look for another sponsor? Thanks.
4: Uh, Harvey told me I should fire somebody if it's starting to threaten my sobriety. Um, early on in the program, probably for the first seven, eight, nine years, I did periodically do that. And then one time I let go of a guy who was really struggling with sobriety, was really resisting working the steps, and be, was elected to the position of intergroup chair and and had never talked to me about it at all. I didn't even know it was a possibility. And and it was it just felt so bizarre that um uh, I let go of him as a sponsee, and it, he was his history was mostly cocaine, and then the SA issues came along kind of in a secondary way. And he, uh, within a week or two, well, a month or two, I don't want to exaggerate it, but within a month or two, he vanished. And, and I actually had no idea what had happened. It's just I knew quite a bit of his history, and the likelihood that he had died was really pretty good. And I was absolutely miserable with the idea that maybe I had started him off on a path toward dying, and and I I said I don't want to ever carry that burden again. Personally, it was awful. <clears throat> so I I stopped firing anybody, and I i I've done it one time since, uh, and I'll talk about that in a second. Um, I found out from his now ex-wife. Um, about seven, eight years later, it was quite a while, um, that he actually had been okay. I mean, he was okay. He had relapsed very seriously. They had ended their relationship. <coughs> he had inherited a family farm, literally, and was operating that, was sober, uh, as far as she knew, and, and they had a mutual child, and she'd had no qualms about him being a father. And, uh, I was so relieved, and yet, It wasn't anything I had done, it was just God taking care of me uh, that got me that information. And I've had no reason to do that. I had one guy who just was never staying sober, and about a year and a half ago I said, I really suggest you start picking, call somebody else as your sponsor, I just think you do a better job. And I was the first person he had met in SA. He he was 12-stepped by a priest, the priest sent him to me because the priest and I knew each other. The priest was our chair of our Board of Trustees at the time, as a matter of fact and um and um and so we had that history. we had gone back a long way, but he was just cycling, and I think he's still cycling, it was beginning to affect my sobriety though I was starting to be weird on the inside about it, so so it's not that I don't do it. I haven't done it in a long time. I've had a couple of other people that I thought if i let them go as sponsees they might kill themselves and I said I don't want that responsibility I've had sponsees who've lied to me and uh, as Harvey said that's normative and um, I just don't worry about it and um, if they want what I have and they won't go any lengths to get it it'll all work out so that's my experience
1: Uh, I uh I don't fire sponsees, uh, I, uh, I f- they frequently fire me, but, but, uh, uh, basically, uh, the, the, at some point the confrontation is going to be, uh, that, uh, you don't seem to be willing to follow my suggestions and that doesn't seem to be working for you, so maybe you should find someone whose suggestions you are willing to follow. Uh, and if that turns out to be me, then we can we can move forward. And and I tell them, and I, it's interesting. I heard uh, Mike C say this just the other day. Uh, it's similar to what I said. If if they're not following my suggestions, I'm not their sponsor. They can say I am, but they're really sponsoring themselves. So, so, uh, uh, the question is, do they want sponsorship or do they want self-sponsorship? And, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm very direct about that. Just about as direct as I am right here. And, uh, and, and it, and, uh, frequently that, that is what gets them to stop calling me when they, when they realize, when, when, when they realize what, what's Sponsorshiping, being sponsored entails and they decide they don't want any part of it. But I try to make sure that I leave the door open so that if they uh, do decide to come back, uh, they understand that, that, that I, I have, I have only one thing to offer, uh, to a new, new sponsee and that is my experience on how I recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. And if they're willing to do the work, they get the results. And if they're not, they get those results too. Uh, I have actually had a uh, sponsee uh, commit suicide. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and he wasn't, I didn't realize it at the time, but when he committed suicide, he was, he was not my sponsee because he'd stopped calling me several months before. Uh, but, but, uh, uh, it's a fatal disease and uh and and i try to i try to explain to people this is this is what we had what this is what i had to do in order uh to avoid dying a a bitter sexaholic death so that that's that's what that's the best i've got to to offer uh on that and uh um you know I, i i within the last month i was talking to somebody for a while that harvey said i don't think i can help you and I asked him the questions of what he wanted, and he still doesn't. I, I guess he never came up with an answer. But whatever it is, he, or maybe he decided what he wanted and what I have in it. But he just kind of quit calling me. So, anyway.
3: I'm check out. I understand timing correctly. I'm to check out. Um This is a shocker. About seven years ago, I did a fourth and staff on sponsorship. Because I had been sponsoring someone for about six, seven years. He was legally sober, technically sober, but issues about him and his wife. And um, he lied to me. And something happened inside of me. I can't explain it, can't tell you, but I I fired him wrongfully in many ways. But it drew me into making an inventory on my sponsorship. Have you ever thought about inventorying sponsorship? I have issues of I was a loner, never had friends growing up. So sponsees become like friends. I have issues of being accepted and nurtured, and sponsees tend to help that. All kinds of issues came up in my inventory about what I get from it. And I have to be very careful that my illness is not affecting my relationship with sponsors, I mean, sponsees. I have something I sincerely say to people. I love you so much that I can see you're not getting from me possibly all you could get. And please consider finding someone else. I'm here for you. In the meantime, but I care about you too much to have to watch what I'm seeing. I'm scared, like crying, saying it. I can't bear to watch what happens to some people. It's excruciating, and it could be dangerous for me. If I don't live by to thine own self be true, what can I give to you? Okay, now, real quick, I'm going to tell you some things that Rick has taught me.
1: Okay. Okay. Okay, we'll, we'll, okay. Let's, uh, let's, let's put it on hold. We're going to take a break here. and We'll come back in 15 minutes. And, and, ra- and let Harvey wrap up, okay? And you'll be on.
0: I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com